and that's in the Old Testament. It's after Genesis, and it's before Malachi, or Malachi. If you find the book of Daniel, go a few more books to the right, and you'll find it. All right, everybody there? That's, that's one of the minor prophets. And by the way, uh, sometimes you'll hear us call a book a minor prophet. Uh, it's not because that the prophet was minor, but because the book is short. It's, it's a small in size book. So uh, sometimes people say, well, that's a minor prophet, meaning it's probably not all that important what he had to say. Sometimes the, the smaller books uh, by some of these prophets are some of the more powerful ones. And uh, certainly no different here. Micah chapter number 3. And we're going to begin in verse number 8, Micah chapter 3, and verse number 8. But truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of judgment, and of might, to declare unto Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. Father, I pray that you'll bless the message, and speak to our hearts, encourage us throughout the afternoon, as we take some time to study your word. Lord, we've tried to make these afternoon services very practical, very easy to digest and put into practice and to take heed to in our lives. And I pray that you would help this one to go forth easily upon the ears and upon the heart, that we would rightly divide it and understand it, that your Holy Spirit will enlighten it in our hearts. And may we be drawn closer to you to become more of what we should be. Lord, we certainly, with all of our hearts, we certainly want to glorify you. And so every time we find something in Scripture that helps us in this area, Lord, may we latch on to it. May we engrave it in our hearts and do everything that we can, make every effort to apply it and put it into practice in our lives. So help us with this matter, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've dealt quite a bit in the last three years in our church on the importance of having the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. and. Understand that there is no doubt that the, the Bible teaches that when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to reside in us, and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, um, we do get all of Him at one point as far as uh, His indwelling is concerned. He doesn't just give us part of Himself. He comes and lives there. We are the temple of the Holy uh, Ghost which is in us. However, we find in Revelation chapter 3, there are things that we can do to quench His working in our lives or His power in our lives. There also are specific times in Scripture that the Bible speaks of Him uh, in doing supernatural uh, instances of His power, specifically for certain uh, uh, purposes of spreading the gospel. We know certainly several times in the Old Testament, this is one of those examples in Micah chapter number 3, where the Holy Spirit of God came upon Micah specifically for this purpose. We find in Acts chapter number 1, in verse number 8, uh, where the promise of the Holy Spirit to come upon them, and then just a chapter later, and the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that uh, the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the, the disciples that were meeting in the upper room, and for a specific purpose, for the proclaiming of the gospel. And they got up at Pentecost and preached, and thousands of people uh, came to know God as uh, Christ as their Savior uh, through the preaching and, and teaching of God's Word. And we know, and we can go down through history and see some of the great movings and stirrings of the Holy Spirit in great uh, worldwide revivals, and revivals that covered sometimes an entire, con entire wow, entire continent, wow, uh, 
And so understand that there is a, there is a, there's a power that comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we can quench or we can grieve and cause it to not be as powerful or as active in our lives as it needs to be. But there are also special times, and the Bible uses the word endued instead of indwelling. The D.L. Moody said there is a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the enduing of the Holy Spirit. The enduing of the Holy Spirit means to shroud outwardly or to rest upon. And so there are certain times that the Holy Spirit of God gives uh, distinct uh, uh, abilities or strength or power or might. And uh, every time that we find those in Scripture, it is always for the cause of uh, getting the gospel to somebody and making sure that they understand it. So we put a lot of emphasis over the last few years. One of the big problems I've, I've struggled with over the years because I, was, I, was, uh, I went to some colleges and places where they emphasized uh, service above all else. But can I tell you this, that our, our, our walk with God, our personal relationship with God must be above all else. Uh, beyond our service, beyond anything else, our, our powerful personal walk with God must take place in order for us to have the, the Holy Spirit working as He should in our lives, so that we're not grieving Him, so that we're not quenching Him, we're not hindering His work in our lives. And then I certainly want to be in such a position uh, of a vessel of honor that should the Holy Spirit choose to, in a specific moment, induce special uh, strength or power or might to accomplish a, a specific work for Him, I certainly want to be uh, in the, in the uh, position to be able to be used that way and, and not to, because of my lifestyle or the things that I do, um, be in a position where he feels like he could not use me in that way. And so we've spent a lot of time emphasizing this. I want to go over five things this afternoon. We're going to give them to you fairly quickly. So, um, you know, just take a real good deep breath, fill your blood with oxygen, get all those nutrients from lunch out of it so you don't get drowsy here in just a second. And I'm going to give you five things. We'll do them fairly quickly. And I do want you to keep your Bibles handy of... Um, why we need to have, what, what, what's the big deal about having the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Why do we need to have them? Uh, why is it such an important thing? There's five things that I think the Bible teach, and there's probably more, but I, I found five of them that I think are very, very important as to why we need the Holy Spirit. What, what's the big deal about that? Why should this be the passion, the desire, the drive of our lives? The first one that we find uh, is found in Acts chapter number 4. If you will, turn over there, Acts chapter number 4. And the first one is so that we can live our lives for God. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit for you and I to live the victorious Christian life. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. And the idea that we're to put on the whole armor of God, and then he says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And yet the Bible teaches quite often in Scripture that we are to stand in the strength of whose might? Our might? No, the truth is if we stand in our might, we're going to fail, aren't we, every time. But we're to stand in the might of God Himself. This is the power of the Holy Spirit that works within us. Uh, the Bible says, Unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we quote that verse so often that, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. But if you'll finish reading the verse, it says, According to the power that worketh in you. So there is something that the Holy Spirit empowers and enables us to do, and it is of a supernatural level. It's not something that is of a human level. 
Can I tell you this? When we tell somebody the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God better do something in that person's heart that we cannot do. And that is, He needs to be able to bring conviction. He needs to be able to prick that heart and show them that need. When it comes time for us to uh, live a life that is holy and pleasing to God, rest assured, that old flesh nature is a pretty strong fellow. And really, to be honest, if, if we're to be honest with ourselves, if we try to accomplish walking in the Spirit in our own power and in the, in the power of our own character, we are destined to fail at best. We need the strength of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to do the, the things that we should when it comes to living our life for God. Now, there are some areas in our lives that we need to be asking for God to fill us with His power, to help us and to strengthen us with His power from His Holy Spirit as we uh, live our lives. And we need this area in the area of our homes as we uh, are a husband or a wife, uh, in the area of our marital uh, relationship. We need it in the area of parents. We need it in the area of children. And in our homes, we need to ask for God's power and God's might to rest upon us. Uh, godly homes don't just happen by accident. Uh, godly parenting does not just happen by accident. Godly kids do not just happen by accident. But we need the Holy Spirit's power to be able to accomplish this work. We need the, the power to live for God in our home, in our work. You can never have a proper testimony and, and be a powerful testimony at work without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need our, His help in, in uh, our church. And as we go about uh, uh, the times of uh, meeting together, I, I hope and pray that God's power rests here. We come to God's Word and we preach and we have uh, a time of a service. I don't want us to just go through the motions of having a service here. I want God to show up. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to do a work, not just in your heart, but in my heart as well. And when we leave the building on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever time our meeting time would be, I pray that when we leave, we can leave saying, the Holy Spirit has done something to me. He's stirred my heart. There's something there from His Word that He's showing me, that He's encouraging me in, or He's convicting me about. Because I'll be honest with you, I know Brother Greg, and he's not a really good fella. And there's a lot of things that he cannot do. And one of those things is he cannot change your heart. And he cannot, he cannot transform your minds. But I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit of God can. And when we come to God's Word, we need to seek for His power so that we can live according to God. Look with me in Acts chapter number 4, if you will, in verse number 13. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 13. The Bible says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now notice this. Peter and John, what was their profession? Anybody remember what was their profession? They were fishermen. The Bible even says here, they were ignorant and unlearned men. These men were not the Apostle Paul, who had studied at the feet of Gamaliel, the best known and most intelligent teacher of the day, and the most sought after teacher. These were two men that were raised on fishing boats and did not have a proper education. They were ignorant and unlearned men. And when these people saw that they were speaking with boldness, they were proclaiming with boldness, and God's power was resting upon their ministries. People were being uh, attracted to God's Word. They were being transformed. Their lives were being changed. People were being saved. And they looked at Peter and John and said, Who are these guys? They're unlearned and ignorant men. But they took note that they had studied hard. Is that what they, is that what they took note of? They took note that they had great charisma about them. That they were good pulpiteers. 
Man, they, they had a program that was out of this world. I'll tell you what, they, they, did, they gave out candy on their bus routes. And man, I'm going to tell you what, it just absolutely thrilled uh, uh, these people and they trusted. Is that what it says? They took note that they had what? They were Jesus. These men knew what it was to walk with God. Not just literally, but I'm talking about in their relationship. Even when God left, when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven, He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send a comforter. And Peter and John understood and knew what it was to have the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon them. They had the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life that made a great mark upon every person that they met. It was said of Charles Finney, Charles Finney, one of the great revivalists in the 1800s. It was said of Charles Finney that he walked into a textile mill one day. All the machines ran off of steam and the, the, the sound was deafening in there and he was walking through with one of the supervisors. The idea was to see about using the place for a meeting for one of his revival services and to see if there was room there for it. And as he walked through the plant, he would fasten his eyes, just look over at people that were running machines. And the people that were running the machines would stop and they would fall down on their knees and begin to cry out to God. And they would, some of them would grab a hold of the posts of the textile mill and, and be begging and pleading for the mercy of God upon their lives from the very presence of Charles Finney walking through there. He never said a word. He never preached a message. And yet men would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because the power of God rested upon him. Oh, that we would see God's people have the power of God upon their lives. That we would hunger and thirst for it. That it would not be quenched. That it would not be grieved. That we would live in such a way that He would come forth shining through. That His power would, in, would, would uh, do the work in the hearts of men that you and I cannot do. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the next time you walked over to your neighbor and talked to him or her, they said, boy, there's something different about that person. Oh, I, I need to find out. There's something going on there. Next time we go and check out at a, at a cash register, or next time we're out doing some business in the community or working, that somebody would say, oh, there's somebody, there's something different about them. I just, I don't know what it is. My kids and I, years, several years ago, were walking through a mall in a fairly large city, and there was a, a Bible college, a Christian college that was, probably within about 30 or 40 miles of the, of the uh, mall. And uh, I'll never forget walking through the mall and a group of uh, young, probably 20-year-old or so uh, young people walking through the mall. And other than the fact that they were dressed modestly and they dressed in a unique way that a lot of Christians do, I looked over at my kids and I said, I guarantee you they're from that college. We walked up to them and I asked them if they were and they said, yes, we were. How would you know? I said, because there was something different about you. Something different. You ever come into the presence of somebody and realize there's something different about this person? There have been times I've walked into the presence of somebody not ever having met them before and intuitively knew this is a fellow believer. This is somebody who knows the Lord. And sure enough, before that conversation was over, we found out that that would be true. Oh, that the Holy Spirit of God could shine forth in our lives without hindrance. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives for God. And number two, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to speak for God. 
If we're going to speak to a lost and a dying world, and by the way, this is probably one of the things that we struggle with the most. Most people I found in this day and age are introverts when it comes to meeting new people. Going up to a perfect stranger and striking up a conversation is a difficult thing for many people. Notice, if you will, in 2 Kings chapter number 5, a very familiar story. I love this story. There's a, a captain of the Syrian hosts named Naaman. And he has leprosy. In verse number 1 of chapter number 5, the Bible says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. By the way, we never know her name. She's just known as the little maid. She waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. We know the story, don't we? He goes and he finds the prophet in Israel. He's told to go and dip in the Jordan River seven times and he, he, he complains about it, but he does it. And God does a work. I believe one of these days when I get to heaven, I'm going to see Naaman. He put some faith in what God had said. But I, I can't wait to meet the little maid. I mean, think about this. This young lady that's carried off into captivity. She's away from her mom and dad. She's, she's in a foreign country. She's away from the things that are familiar to her. Talk about being an introvert. Could you put yourself in this little girl's place? And yet she had the boldness to speak up. Because she saw the need of her master. She looked at the need of her master and she didn't say he needs a doctor. She didn't say he needs a, uh, some financial guy to help him with his finances. She didn't say that he needed a better job or he needed something. To help. She said he needs God. Oh, that he could go see the prophet in Israel. Can I tell you, this young lady had boldness to speak. In Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if we stopped there, we'd say, Well, then what's the power for? But he goes on to say, And ye shall be witnesses unto me. The power of the Holy Spirit resting upon us so that we can live a life that is pleasing God so that we can have boldness to speak for God. I think sometimes we need to pray, Lord, I don't know her name, but help me to be like this little maid. Help me to have this kind of boldness. Help me to have this kind of compassion on those that are in need of God. We need to have the power to speak for God. Number three, we need to have the power to serve the Lord. We need to have the power to serve the Lord. There's three areas that we serve God in. We serve God in prayer. We labor in prayer. 
I'm not going to take time to look up all these passages, but I'll give them to... Well, let's take the time. We've got time. If we were at a ball game, you all would be excited about it, right? Maybe not. If we were at a Trump rally, you all would be excited, right? (laughs) I shouldn't say that. Scratch that one off the disc back there, Jonathan. James chapter number 5. James chapter number 5, and look in verse number 16. The Bible says, Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another. That you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When was the last time we labored in prayer? The last time that we took prayer seriously. Occasionally I'll have somebody come and say, Pastor, I'm really burdened about this matter. Would you pray with me about it? I'm glad to do it. I really am. I'm glad to do it. I often wonder, because I've done the same thing. I've gone to folks and said, Boy, I've got a, a serious matter I'm praying for. Would you pray with me? But I wonder, when was the last time that... We stayed up into the wee hours of the morning pleading with God. It was the last time that we missed a meal because we were praying in earnest and fervency for the answer to that prayer. A year or so ago, I gave away a little booklet in the church and to several people and sent it around and loaned it to some folks to read. The story of Daniel Nash, the prevailing prince of prayer. Daniel Nash was one of those fellows that would go before uh, the revivals. He would begin to pray. He'd go sometimes several days before, a week before, and rent a place. And the the, uh, biography of this fellow says that there were times that people would have to come in in the evening hours and lift him off of his prone position on the floor and lay him upon his bed because he was so exhausted from praying. Charles Finney, who was having great revival services with the prayers of Daniel Nash, said that Daniel Nash would walk into his service and he'd say he's not here and he'd turn around and walk back to his prayer closet. He'd do that two or three nights maybe of the revival. And then finally one of the nights, Daniel Nash would walk into the service and say he's here. And Charles Finney in his own biography said this, I never knew him to be mistaken. For on that very night, the windows of heaven would open. And God would send revival. But it took some laboring and prayer. You know why we don't do that much anymore? Two reasons. One, we don't think we can. We don't think about doing it. The second reason is we're too busy. We've got too much stuff going on. Well, I'd love to pray like that. I've just got too many things to do. We need to have power in prayer. We need to have power in teaching the Word of God. Acts chapter number 5. If you will, Acts chapter number 5. We need to have power in teaching the Word of God. In verse number 41, 
The Bible says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this? There's a lot of churches around our country today that don't even teach and preach Jesus Christ on a Sunday, much less throughout the week. We need to have the Holy Spirit's power in prayer. We need to have to labor in prayer. We need to have the Holy Spirit's power to labor in teaching. We need to have the Holy Spirit's power to labor in preaching. Look with me in Acts chapter number four, verse number thirty-three. The Bible says, "And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all." Oh, that we would have the power of the Holy Spirit in preaching. When we come to Keith Heights Baptist Church, I understand, I, I do, I fully understand this, that, that the things that I have to say from Greg Boer's heart or Greg Boer's mind, I'll tell you this right now, they are useless if the Holy Spirit of God does not do a work in the hearts of men. We just wasted our time today if He doesn't do a work. If He doesn't stir something in our hearts, then we might as well have stayed home today. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would empower us to preach. To take His Word and proclaim it boldly. We need to have power to endure, number four. We need to have power to endure. We need to have power to live for God, number one. We need to have power to speak for God, number two. We need to have power to serve the Lord in prayer, teaching, and preaching, number four. We need to have power to endure. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We need power to endure during times of trials. And I'll be honest with you, we, co- we go through some trials, don't we? Any of you here not had a trial? Brother Richard, you're the only one, brother. Never had a trial. <laughs> we all have trials. We all have burdens. We all have problems, don't we? We all go through trials. The truth is, First Peter chapter number 4, look with me in verse number 12. First Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happens unto you. But rejoice. Well, that's a peculiar thought, isn't it? In the fiery trials, yes, we're to rejoice. And as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, He is evil spoken of, but on your part, He is glorified. Oh, that we would have the power of the Holy Spirit to endure through trials. When the fiery trials come, that we would rejoice in them and count it a privilege that we get to partake in the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the martyrs, the early apostles, they were thrilled with the privilege of suffering for Jesus. Nowadays, we bellyache and complain when we're inconvenienced for Jesus. Oh, that we would have power to endure. Oh, that we would have the Holy Spirit that would so fill our hearts with joy in trial. In Acts chapter number 7, you can take time to read it this afternoon when you get home. We have the story of Stephen, the Bible says that he was a man that was full of the Holy Ghost. 
And he began to preach. And you know what the people did? They were so convicted. And by the way, this is nothing new. When people know that they're not right with God and the, and the truth is being spoken, they all tend to react this way. You know what the Bible says they did? They stopped their ears. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. La, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> you know. And they gnashed on him. And they began to stone him with stones. And while his life is seeping from him, he continues to preach. And he looks up into heaven. And he sees the glory of God. Oh, that we would have the power to endure. In the fiery trials. We find people today that are quitting on God when the way gets a little difficult. When it gets a little bumpy in the road. Well, I'll tell you what, Pastor. Those people didn't treat me right. My feelings are hurt. I'm not coming to church anymore. There's a bunch of hypocrites down there. I told somebody one time, they said, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. I said, well, isn't that where you want them to be? I mean, that's where they're going to get some help, right? Oh, that we would learn to have power to endure. And lastly, we need to have power to finish our race. I was telling somebody the other week, there are some men that are faithful men of God that I look up to with great admiration. I don't put my my hope in them, and I don't put my faith in them, but... I admire them and they are of great encouragement to me because they are men that have battled and weathered the storms of ministry and have finished well. They've not changed. They've not compromised over the years. And as a young preacher, to me, that is encouraging. My thought is this. If they can do it, then so can I. If God could give them the grace... If God could empower them and strengthen them to go through a lifetime of ministry with trials and burdens and they finish well, then that same God can help me do the same thing. That we would learn to have the power of the Holy Spirit to finish well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. It was... The life verse that my dad had, in fact, if you ever go to visit his grave down in Florida, you'll find this reference and this verse on his tombstone. Be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You ever serve God? And you serve Him and you labor and you're tired and you're weary in ministry. And you look around and you say, but it doesn't seem like anything is being accomplished. We have a promise that our labor will not be in vain in the Lord. Sometimes, I, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. Sometimes I think of this. Of the, of the hundreds and probably in my lifetime now thousands of folks that I've either handed a track to or tried to share the gospel with that did not trust the Lord as their Savior at the time that I did that. I'm sure if we go around the room, you guys could give testimonies, many of you, of situations where you had opportunity to hand a track or share the gospel, and they didn't get saved. But you never know what that Word does down the road, how it prepares the heart, 
how maybe the seed was planted and maybe somewhere along the line it was watered. And then finally God gave the increase. I can't wait to get to heaven and meet people there that I never knew got saved, but they did. Be therefore steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit's power. No doubt about it. And we need Him in these areas. Could you imagine what God could do with a man or a woman who is wholly yielded to God? Somebody said that to D.L. Moody one day. And he said, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. And D.L. Moody shook two continents for the Lord. And here we stand a few hundred years later, and we look back on the life and the ministry of D.L. Moody, and I can tell you this, absolutely as sure as I'm standing here today, that as mightily as God has used D.L. Moody and men like Charles Spurgeon and Charles Finney, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, the world has yet to see what a man or a woman fully yielded to God could do. It would be wonderful if it could be us that would say, by the grace of God, we'll be that man or woman. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. I pray that You'll bless it and use it. Lord, help us not quickly forget the messages today, that they would go with us in our hearts and our minds, that throughout this afternoon we would think on them, discuss them, meditate upon them, share them with others. And Father, that it will do its work in our lives. Most importantly, that Your Holy Spirit will call to remembrance, will continue to stir the embers of the fires of our hearts, and help us to be all that we should be for You. Dismiss us with Your blessings, we pray. Help us as we leave this place and go out into the mission field for this week to pray, to look for opportunities, to rest upon the power and strength of Your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us that we would have opportunity this week to share the gospel with those that have never heard. Use us, we pray, to honor and glorify you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. You